Hi, this is Austin Krobe, and you are listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to episode 223 of Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. Donovan, are you are you feeling the holiday spirit yet? I'm feeling the I'm feeling the the, the Christmas bells are ringing. I uh, yeah. you know, I, I just to get off way off the topic right off the bat. Um, I didn't know much about the Pogues. I, I knew Fairytale in New York, maybe a song or two. You know, I, I, I listened to a lot of punk and listened to a lot of punk when I was a lot younger. Um, you always heard about the Pogues, but you didn't really hear much of them. So when he died, I just kind of dove in down the the rabbit hole of the Pogues. I watched his. I watched, you know, Shane McGowan's funeral memorial on, on Twitter uh, at work. Uh, it was a slow day, guys. It was a slow day. Um, it was just, you know, I really got into it. I love the poets. Well, we've got an, an interview with Austin Krob for you, Austin Krobe for you all coming up next um, after we talk about some transactions here. Um, but yeah, the Pokes, they're an interesting band. They, you know, they're not right. one that we hear a whole lot of around here, but it sounds like Shane McGowan lived a wild, wild life I and mean, talking about abuse and excess and all kinds of crazy, crazy, crazy adventures that guy went on. Absolutely. I think he was the Jim Morrison of our time. Um, certainly a poet, um, beloved singer uh, and songwriter, but just was off the chain with excess and drinking and drugs and through all that, wrote some timeless classics um, in, uh, you know, in the traditional Irish kind of sense, but the boys from Bristol, <laughs> he's a, you know, he's a British guy, but he was born with an Irish soul, I guess. Right. Yeah. And yeah, he gave zero Fs his entire life. Yeah. And you got to appreciate that. Somebody that can, you know, be themselves with no apologies to anyone. Yeah. Speaking of apologies. All right, so we've got some we... news to talk about. Yeah. I have here in Preller We Trust. You put the question mark. Well, I'm, you know, after, okay, a year, two years, you know, a couple years ago, I felt so confident. But now the last, I've lost some, some, some trust. You know, I, I really want to see a good roster with depth and everything put together. And right now their backs up against the wall with budget limitations. And it's hard to see how they're going to put this all together. But, you know, we're starting to see some small, some small moves around the edges. Uh, so the first one, the most recent news, uh, it's rumored, rumored, the news hasn't broken officially yet, uh, but the Padres are reportedly close to signing Yuki Matsui. Uh, who I will be honest, I hadn't heard a whole lot about Yuki Matsui uh, prior to these rumors. Uh, but Yuki Matsui is a 28-year-old year left-handed reliever. He has 10 years of experience in Nippon's uh, professional baseball league. Um, he has an earned run average of 2.4 in 501 career games, tossing 659 to two-thirds innings and 236 saves in that time, yeah. including at least 24 in each of the past three seasons. Uh, coming off a strong 2023 season. Um, so is he a closer? I don't know that he's going to necessarily be a closer because then you look at the next stuff. He's five foot eight, 167 pounds. Um, sounds like he throws like low nineties, low nineties, fastball velocity, and he lives on a splitter that is just a devastating splitter. Yeah, the, the splitter is where it really going to be his outpitch, and it's yet to be seen if 
you know, if the major league hitters are going to bite with the, with the fastball, you know, being in the low to low to mid nineties, I think he touches 94. I read somewhere usually sits 92, 93. Um, if he pitches that throws out a little bit more, maybe they will be swinging over it. Uh, I think it's a good sign for what, for what Preller's doing with the money that he has. I think it's an excellent sign. Uh, four year deal is a little bit long in the tooth. Cause if it doesn't work out, what are, what, what is the plan? If it does not work out, um, I right. I think Roberts... I've seen four years, 5 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not an, it's not a lucrative deal by any means by major league standards. So if it does wind up, I mean, he's okay. So I, I'm, I'm a little, I have trauma about Kazuisa Makita. I know who right. I thought was going to be so good, <laughs> but he was just such an oddball and he threw such soft stuff that they were able yeah. to tee off on him. I don't think that's going to be the case with Makita, you know, having a fastball with a little bit of life and having that splitter. My question is, how is he going to adapt to the MLB baseball, the Rawlings baseball coming from Nippon, where they have a consistent ball? It's got a little bit more raised uh, seams yeah. and the, the grip is consistent. Now you come over here. And the ball has a different feel to it. It comes out of the hand a little different. Is he going to be able to get that splitter to tumble consistently? Um, I guess you take a look at what uh, what the guy's done over in in New York with that ghost the ghost fork, yeah. and that has worked out pretty well for them. Yeah, I think I think it'll work out. The the, the really the major league hitters will tell you pretty quick. And if it doesn't work out, and it's you know, which I don't think I don't think it won't work out, but. Dropping four million, eight million on you know on a contract isn't going to be that bad, you know, and that's just right. kind of being doomy right now. I think um, this off season isn't what we always expect it to be. We always expect to be spending so much money when we were spending all this, you know, when the Padres were spending all this money back then. We kind of saw it coming, like there's a train with the light at the end of that tunnel, and it's called the debt ceiling, and there's so much money. We don't have the resources of a Cohen. We don't have the resources of the Dodgers. I keep hearing the, the Padres Twitter talk about, well, these teams do it. It's okay. But when we do it, it's not. It's because we don't have billions and billions of dollars. Like we can't back it up with a large TV contract. We can't back it up with the money of, of a Cohen in New York with their country. They have their own God darn broadcasting company. You know what I mean? Um, the small market team. And that's what, so when they talk about the sustainability is that's actually using their own money. Like I can't remember the guy's name, but you know, the Seidler's trust, uh, they're using their actual money and having to get money from other partners to pay for the stuff instead of being able to use um, TV money for it. Right. Right. Well, what I do like about this is that he is an experienced reliever. He's going to come over and granted the culture shift and getting used to major league baseball and all that. All of that aside, he's got a decade of experience being yeah. a professional pitcher. Um, he's a lefty, which we're next we're going to talk about how the Padres just let a lefty go, uh, but they need a little bit more left-handed depth in the in the bullpen. Um, so I do like that, and I, I think he's going to fit in pretty well. It's just a matter of time to see yeah, mm -hmm. how does that five foot eight splitter, all of that stuff play. Absolutely, and having you, Darvish, tweeting out like I can't sleep because I can't wait for this guy to come over is is enough endorsement to sell me on it like hell yeah let's go yeah i i should look back they might have been teammates they were teammates on the on the on team japan oh yes yes yeah but i mean <laughs> going back like rocket 10 golden eagles oh, or right, right, or right. back in the day no darvish has been here longer than 10 years he was he started you know matsui started pitching at 18 in in, in pb 
Um, Darvish has been out here longer than that. Okay. But we're stoked. I think Pillar's done really well with this. I think the amount of money we have left, he will. There, there will be trades coming. I hate to say this, but there will be trades coming. We are going to lose players. I don't know if it's going to be more minor league or maybe a major league guy, but we do still need at least, uh, at very least, another arm, and we need two outfielders. Well, we did lose a major league player, and I, I, I don't mean to be bitter, but I'm not sad that he left. Uh, so the big trade that just happened, does, well, I guess big, it's big is relative, uh, but the Padres traded designated hitter Matt Carpenter, left-hander Ray Kerr, and $1.5 million to Atlanta in exchange for minor league outfielder Drew Campbell. So Carpenter was due to make $5.5 million, so they sent $1.5 million over, but that took $4 million off the books right there. That really showed them that they wanted Ray Kerr, um, because you heard, I saw what the Ken Rosenthal tweeted, like, they plan on trading him. I don't know. I don't know who they're going to trade him to. So they ended up releasing him. I think it was, was that today they released him? Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, they sat yeah. on it for a couple of days. Like, okay, anybody interested in Matt Carpenter? He used to be good. Mm-hmm. He was good with the Yankees a couple years ago. Anybody? Anybody? You know, the, the, but that is going to hurt because we do need a left-handed reliever. Ray Kerr throws absolute gas. Um, it was I think his stock was on the rise. He certainly, you know, wasn't, oh, my God, we're losing Ray Kerr. But he certainly was some depth and potential to do more uh, this full season. Um, but getting that money off the books, I think, was the biggest thing. And doing it for a buck, you know, buck five uh, was another stroke genius from Preller. Yeah, I, I definitely, I'm a fan of this move all the way around. Um, I mean, Ray, like you said, he's got he he's touched a hundred in the past. He's got a nasty slider. The fastball has life. He's a left-hander. You don't see a lot of lefties throwing with that kind of velocity. But at the same time, he had a hard time avoiding the walk. He had a hard time avoiding hard contact, even as hard as he threw. So with the time that the Padres had him, they weren't able to work him through those challenges. The Braves may be able to unlock that, but I didn't see him finding that next level with the Padres. Um, So I I don't think he was somebody that was going to factor strongly in their plans for 2024. So I'm not, I'm not, I thought it was going to take more than that to move Matt Carpenter. I thought they were going to have to attach somebody that we, you know, we didn't want to let go. (laughs) Attach Juan Soto to the Matt Carpenter trade. Um, Well, no, but I was thinking like (laughs) Graham Pauly, Jacob Marcy kind of level player that they were going to have to give up. Absolutely. That could have been like, you owe me one. Right. And so then coming back in the deal, they get minor league outfielder uh, Drew Campbell. Um, he played in double A last year, batted 254 with a 307 on base and a 404 slugging. He's played a little bit of left, center, and right. Um, you, know, you never know what you're going to get with somebody like that. Uh, he was drafted in 2019 in the 23rd round out of University of Louisville. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I feel like that was just kind of a look. I got to get something back right. in this deal right. for Preller. It's right. he, the, it was a bad contract signing signing Matt Carpenter in the first place. I and mean, we all mm-hmm. talked ourselves into it. Uh, but he is not one to just admit defeat on a bad deal and and let somebody walk away. And you saw it with the Hosmer deal. They they had to get something back out of it, yeah. um, you know. And so now that's what we see here. And like I said, you never know what Drew Campbell is going to turn into. Maybe he's going to contribute on some level. Uh, but really, I think this was just kind of a saving face kind of a maneuver for Preller. Yeah, and and did a really good job of doing it. Like this is, you know, I, I think I tweeted this out today talking to uh, Jean Claude Van Dan. 
Um, yes. <laughs> with, with the amount of money that, that Preller has to work with and the amount of guys that he has to get uh, and still and not be pushover guys, like this is where we're going to see uh, AJ Preller really work his magic. And it's easy to go like, oh, yeah, he traded for a Juan Soto or they signed a, or they traded for a U Darvish. Like when you have the stuff to get stuff, that's easy to do. It's when you don't have a lot. It's the Kevin Towers effect, really. It's like, look how many teams Kevin Towers put together with duct tape and guile, you know, and make it to the World Series and make it to the playoffs and, and you know, have some not perennial winners, but certainly teams that were highly competitive. Yeah, so maybe Preller's looking around the uh, the workout room like, hey, I got an extra, I got an extra treadmill over here. Maybe I can trade that for a for a lefty reliever, <laughs> a freestyle soda machine instead of the old fountain. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, I hear they need a new soft serve machine up in the press box. Where did you hear that? <laughs> oh, well, that, Billy was, Wilson. No, that was that's a, an ongoing thing. <laughs> I think they have soft serve. I think it works, but I think you're right. I think Bernie Wilson might have tweeted later in, or early in the season that it broke down. Okay, well, let's move on to some minor league transactions. Uh, I This has been kind of a fun one to follow. Yeah. Jose Espada, a right-handed pitcher, was released so he could sign with the Tokyo Yakult Soc- uh, Swallows of the NPB. Um, so happy for him that he finds an opportunity to go and play on a bigger stage. You know, if he came back, he was, he did sign on a minor league deal with the Padres to come back. So chances were he was going to go to triple a or double a and pray that the, the gates open up and he had a chance to pitch in the majors again. Instead, Already, he has fully embraced the fans of of NPB. He's like asking them, "Okay, I want to find out what my Nick's nickname is going to be." Because I mean, like they come up with a song for everybody, yeah. and like he is so excited about this, and I'm happy for him for that. That's fantastic, you know. And having your own name, having your own team, having your own section root for you. Like, have you ever watched the NPB ball game? Like, I, I have. I haven't watched a whole lot of it, but I mean, yeah, everybody's got their own cheering section. It's it's Latin, it's Latin baseball took into a higher, higher level. Like they have whole complete sections for one guy and then they'll cheer against the other section that's cheering for another guy. Like it's insane. And they're all coordinated. It's like a giant party, but coordinated. I, I got, I got to go there when, when we're talking to, to Braden, I say something about going to the DR, but I would love to go see a game in, in Japan sometime just yeah. to see the environment. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So next on the list, uh, so the Padres have made a couple of minor league free agent signings, and we like to talk about this stuff because we're going to be talking about them next year, and we yeah. want all of you out there to have an idea of who these people are, and I don't mind doing a little bit of digging. Um, so the Padres signed free agent left-handed pitcher Javian Sandridge to a minor league contract, and his path is pretty interesting. So he was originally drafted by the Orioles in the 32nd round in 2018 uh fan says the six foot five sandridge was released by baltimore and used a loophole in college eligibility created around the pandemic, pandemic. to return to a non-d1 school lynn university he had a velo spike there and ended up signing with the reds returning to pro ball with a 92 to 95 mile an hour fastball and a slider that is aided by his deceptive arm swing um and i find that loophole thing to go back to college and go play collegiate ball again. Really interesting. So he played two years in the developmental league. And so for each year that you play as a pro, you lose a year of college eligibility on that okay. system. And that's how he was able to go back and play uh, for a non D one school. I, I thought that was really interesting. That is, that is crazy where so, you're playing professional baseball and then 
and you go back to college, then you go back to amateur. Uh, he also pitched in the in the AFL, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, he pitched in six games, six and a third inning pitched, one earned run, 13 strikeouts against two walks. And you look at his stats for this year and the past last couple of years, and that doesn't really match up with who he's been. He strikes out a ton of guys, but he also walks the whole yard. Um, so maybe they worked on something and were able to find something, you know, work out a little bit of better control. Yeah. Uh, but you know, interesting guy with a live arm. So lefty who can pump gas, got to love that. So next, the Padres signed a couple of guys back on the 10th of, uh, of November, or no, back on the 10th of December, I'm sorry. Um, right-handed pitcher Tommy Nance and second baseman Nate Mondu. Both of these guys have at least a taste of Major League experience. So Nance, this is from MLB Trade Rumors, Nance, age 32, lost the bulk of the 2023 season to shoulder and oblique injuries. He pitched 17 innings over four minor league levels, but didn't make an MLB appearance for the Marlins this year. Um, a Long Beach native and Santa Clara product, Nance has 72 and a third MLB innings under his belt. He debuted with the Cubs in 2021, uh, five years after going undrafted. The Marlins claimed him off waivers in spring training the following season. He owns a 5.47 ERA at the highest level, although he's shown the potential to pick up a fair amount of whiffs and ground balls. Yeah. Um, definitely a quality guy to put in El Paso. And absolutely. I mean, Christ, there's a lot of opportunity right now in the big league roster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Mondu. So Nate Mondu, uh, again, per trade rumors, uh, the 28-year-old's big league resume consists of a single game and three plate appearances with the Athletics in 2022, and the rest of his seven-year pro career has been spent in the minors. Um, so he's he's come up with the A's and the White Sox, playing mostly second base, a good amount of time at both corner outfielder slots, and a handful of games as a short spot, shortstop and left fielder. So kind of a you know, do, do a little bit of everything guy. Right. Right. We need those guys in the minor leagues. That's we, and there'll be more of those kind of signings as the season, obviously, all season continues. Um, moving on to, they signed Michael De La Cruz to a minor league contract. He was a mission. And so they re signed him. Yeah. They brought him back. I was happy to see that. He's another yeah. guy. He's a little bit active on Twitter. Look him up if you can. Seems like a good guy. Happy to see him come back. Um, and then, some sad news. And I just found this today. The Padres released a whole bunch of guys and some of them are names that are kind of near and dear to our heart. Red-handed pitchers, Wilton Castillo, Alan Mundo, Mason Fox, Michelle Baez, Adam Smith, Luis Acosta, Duncan Snyder, Chris Lincoln, left-handed pitcher, Danny Dens, friend of the podcast, yeah. uh, shortstop, Michael Munoz, and outfielder, Jorge Onya. Jorge Onya. There is the... That's the big name on that. And, you know, we talk about Michel Baez and Jorge Onya, uh, two 2016 international free agents. I think they gave Onya $11 million? Was it 7 or 11 I don't know, but those, those I think those were two of the three biggest. Them and Morihon were the three biggest uh, payouts that year. Yeah. Um, you know, and that year we talked about, oh, what a coup it is that they're working the rules and they know that they're, you know, and – you come here, what is it, seven years later, and there's not a whole lot left to show for that that spending bonanza. There's Michelle Baez. There's Adrian Morahone. Right. Yeah, Tirso Ornelas is still around, and yeah. that's really about it. And But, I mean, even outside of the organization, not a whole lot of those guys have gone on to big, successful careers. I mean, Tucumino Marcano just came back to the Padres. Uh, 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 Gabriel Arias made it up to the majors. Uh, but we thought a lot of these guys had more like closer to star major league potential. player potential. Yeah, you see Jorge Ona, you're like that guy's a tank. 
Uh, he may not run fast, but I'm sure he can hit the ball very far. And Michelle Baez, he looks like Jaws from – I remember watching him in, in Lake Elsinore in high A, just throwing gas. And, yeah. you know, made it to double A and did really well. And just, you know, once you get to the major leagues, just I thought they rushed him a little bit to get to the majors. Um, It just kind of all fell apart. You know, did you see today that the uh, White Sox released Luis Patino? I saw that. Bring yeah, I, I would love to see them bring him home. He has no minor league options, uh, but boy, is he a great candidate to sign to a minor league contract with an invite to spring training and see what I I don't think he's been battling any injuries since he went over to Tampa Bay. It's just something between the ears isn't yeah. isn't functioning properly right now. Yeah, I saw that they might have changed that. They saw I saw that, excuse me. I saw that they changed the delivery a little bit. He didn't have that high leg kick like he did back when he was pitching with uh, Mackenzie Gore. Um, walks, he, you know, he just keeps walking, guys. And and that's, there it is, folks. If you throw strikes and you have velocity, you can stick around in the majors. You just, you can't walk, guys. You can't give guys up. Right. Well, if there's anybody that could use a new firmware update, it's him. And if there's any coach out there that I would trust to update someone's firmware, it's Ruben Niebla. So come on, somebody out there. Let's make it happen. Let's bring the kid home. I really want to see a redemption arc for him. Absolutely. Uh, and the firmware. <laughs> and I was, I, my heart sank when I saw the name Danny Dens on this list. Yeah. Um, you know, we had him on the podcast, you know, fear the gogs. Um, and I've talked to his dad on Twitter a lot. Um, Danny went through a lot. He went through Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Uh, he pitched a whole the last year that he pitched he was pitching through injury and he didn't even really know it until they went in there and saw it they're like yeah no this he's been hurt for a long time and that's why he struggled in the last year that he was air quotes healthy uh but now he's he's feeling good he's throwing um he's got some opportunities in independent ball he's been talking to some teams maybe he'll get a chance uh to find a camp this spring uh but you know nice kid with the absolute bulldog mentality, yeah. I would love to see him get a chance to latch on somewhere. Yeah, true reliever. Um, great kid. I, I saw him when I was out there for fantasy camp in February. You know, he was still several months away after the surgery. Uh, kind of sat and chatted with him for a little bit. He was just trying to rehab and get you know get back to uh, get back to playing. Um, you know, Mason Foster, another guy that I remember seeing him in Lake E. Uh, hard thrower. You know, and. I saw him maybe get up to double A a little bit, but I think injury kind of, he got hit by the injury bug and it just didn't work out. And, you know, this is the thing, guys. If there's any minor niggas listening to this, is there any high school players? If you are pitching hurt, if you are pitching with that doesn't feel right, but I'm afraid to say anything because I want to not, you know, I don't want my coach to know. Like you need to let them know. You cannot continue playing baseball if you are injured and you get severely injured by ignoring. Not the minor arm soreness, not the minor leg soreness, any of these minor sorenesses. But if you feel something that's not right, oh, I can just push through it because that's worked with me in the past. That's not the way to do it. Let your coach know, hey, I'm not feeling well. Particularly, you know, when you're if you're in high school, if you're in college, like, hey, I'm not pit, you know, I, I, hey, can you check this out for me? Like that's so important. Your arm care, your body care is more important than you being able to make your next start are being in a lineup. It, it is more important than that. Yeah. Now that we've been talking to some pitchers recently, you know, that's Absolutely. been at the forefront of our mind. Everybody's talking about arm care and recovery. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, I Mason Fox 
he didn't pitch at all this year. He yeah. spent the whole year on the injured list and I haven't heard any, you know, did he have surgery? I haven't heard anything about that. Um, but you know, again, talented kid and you hope he has another chance. But we have some good news, and this is really, really fun good news. All right, here we go. <laughs> so the MLB has unveiled the new spring breakout initiative, showcasing MLB's top prospects. So I, I think the Padres are playing. I think they're playing the Seattle Mariners. Top prospects. Well, okay, so in, in this article here, they talk about how each team is going to play a doubleheader, like big league game, and then there's going to be this prospect showcase game afterwards. But – the Padres will have already broken camp by that point because they're playing the series in Korea. In and Korea. So this is like two days after, after that happens, so everybody's going to be packing up their stuff, getting ready, you know, to travel overseas. So it's going to be a little different than how the rest of the teams do it. So major league baseball announced that it's 2024 spring training schedule will feature a new four day event called spring breakout, an effort that will showcase baseball's future and the current stars of minor league baseball. As part of the new initiative, each major league club will field a team of their top prospects to play exhibition games against another club's top prospects, while also creating in-park fan engagement opportunities centered around their up-and-coming players. I like that they aren't limiting it to any level. Uh, right. So it could be people that played in single-A rookie ball last year all the way up to triple-A. And let's be honest, it, at that point in camp, nobody knows where they're going to go. And, and, you know, people are fighting dead arm or people are, you know, working yeah. through something. So it's going to be kind of, okay, who's ready? Who wants to go? Uh, but I'm sure they're going to have their pecking order. It's going to start from the top, like, okay, Ethan Salas, Jackson Merrill, Graham Pauly, you know, get all these guys out there. It's going to be a lot of fun watching this happen. Absolutely. And they better televise everyone, at least one of those games from each of the organizations. It's going to be a weekend. What is this through uh, Thursday, March 14th through the 17th. So that's three days. If MLB Network can put it on there or they can stream it, I'm sure they're probably going to stream these games. Uh, we'll be able to watch them. But I think it's great how Major League Baseball is now starting to advertise and promote the future Major Leaguers, of, you know, Major Leaguers of the future. Sorry. Yeah, I don't think this is necessarily going to bring in new fans, but I think it's going to, you know, people people like content. They want, yeah. you know, and I think now with the accessibility of being able to look up stats and video highlights and, you know, Madfire's putting out their, their uh, newsletter every day and things like that, you didn't see that. 20 years ago. No. So now the minor league is so much more accessible. So now before the season, they're giving you a little taste. So if you're out in San Antonio, you're wondering, okay, who's going to be coming out our way? You, know, you can flip on the, the game and, and watch some guys like, okay, there's something to be excited about. Jot down some names. All right, I'm going to look for these guys. Absolutely. And it, you're right, because the rise of the interest in minor leaguers for the past five, 10 years has been huge. I mean, I follow so many, so many accounts on Twitter from prospects live to uh, prospects 1500 and everywhere in between where it's a mixture of, of covering the minor league guys for the minor league sake, uh, covering for future dynasty leagues and fantasy baseball. Um, you get guys like Kyle Brown, um, Brozdowski, God, Lance Brozdowski. Yeah. And the guys from prospects live, you know, that have gone on from talking about minor league players to working for minor league organizations. Our, our buddy, Jason Wardell, same, same thing with prospects live went from writing about prospects to working in an organization where it's not just the major league guys anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, Lance Brozdowski, he's now on marquee network covering yeah. Cubs broadcast. You look how far he's come. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's it. Let's get to it. Do we have 
Austin Crobb coming up. This is a fun interview. He was a great talk. Um, God, we talked to him for what, 45 minutes. Well, and then the next time I'm talking to you is going to be after Christmas. So I'm going to wish you a happy, uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays with whatever you observe. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. All right. Merry Christmas. Enjoy this. Austin Crow was drafted in the 12th round at a Texas Christian University in 2022. In 2023, the Lisbon, Iowa native opened the season in single-A Lake Elsinore, where he had a 2.34 ERA and 10 starts, striking out 59 and 50 innings, earning him a promotion to high-A Fort Wayne. In the Midwest League, he continued his stellar season with a 5-3 record and 3.03 ERA with 65 punch-outs and 59 innings, landing him out on the AA Missions postseason roster, and he joins us here on Friars on the Farm. Welcome, Austin Grobe. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Dude, so you're in te- so you're in Texas right now. Are you are you training in Texas? Yeah, I'm actually in Fort Worth training at TCU with our old train coach. So it's nice letting him give us the luxuries of coming to, to TCU, using the weight room, using the indoor, using all facilities, which is very nice. Are you staying at his house, or do you got an apartment, or how does that work? No, I got an apartment with a few buddies that are also right. in the minor leagues. So <laughs> it's fun, dude. That's pretty epic. Uh, how long you've been there? Uh, well, I went to junior college right out of high school. So I graduated high school in 2018, went junior college for one year and then came to TCU for three years. So I guess this will be my fourth year technically in the area. Well, I think what what he was getting at was like, how yeah. long have you been there this year? Like, oh, my bad, took, my bad. You take I a just, little, you take a little time off, you go see family, Thanksgiving, all of that stuff, or did you, have you just yeah, been thank, all business? Thanksgiving, I was back home while well, I was in Florida with my mom. And then after that, went and saw my grandma in Georgia and then. Came back to Texas, kind of get back to work. Man, you've been racking up some frequent flyer miles. Oh, yeah, trying to. Where in Georgia? Uh, Valdesta, right next to the border of Florida. Oh, okay, a little down south, down, down south. Okay, we've been oh, to Rome. Georgia. We've been to Rome, Georgia. Okay, I haven't been up that far yet. That was my first time actually being in Georgia. So I got the very southern part of it. Nice. And then where's your mom in Florida? She's in St. Augustine. Okay. So cool All area. Right. So, so my our listeners don't really know you. We don't really know you. Uh, let us th- tell us what you throw. What's your arsenal? Uh, so mainly I'm like a sinker, ball, fastball guy, and then I'm a big slider. That's probably my favorite and best pitch. And I'm working on a changeup. I have a little bit of a changeup, so I like to say splitter because of the grip, but it kind of comes out like a changeup. So I call it the splange every once in a while when it's good. But <laughs> it's a fun pitch. It's a learning and developing pitch right now but this offseason has been nice to really kind of get a feel for it and understand how the ball is going to play the splange i like that because there there is kind of a a gray area because snelling was showing us yesterday how he grips his and it's like i mean you're getting your fingers spread out and so it's coming out kind of in between or sideways it's like you can call it whatever you want so this year okay they introduced the sweeper and that mm-hmm. became this whole controversy. Oh, you're inventing a new pitch. You're just making up words. Like you go back like 20 years and people had 50 names for all their different pitches. Is, you know, they got the Bugs Bunny curveball. And all, I mean, right. <laughs> oh yeah. The gyro ball, the EFIS, all the, all kinds of names for pitches. <laughs> all right. Okay, so, so you grew up in Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So Iowa is currently blacked out, I think for six different major league teams. Dude. So you've got all kinds of different fans in Iowa, right? Did you follow a particular baseball team growing up? 
I'd say, well, my biggest, my idol growing up was David Ortiz, just because he was a big lefty, and I was like, oh, I want to be a big lefty. It hits homers too. So I followed the Red Sox, but my everyone else in my family is a big Cubs fan. So yeah, that kind of runs in the culture of Lisbon is the Cubs. So right, well, we, huge. We, we know yeah. you, we know you as a pitcher, but were you hitting dingers coming up? Uh, as a kid, I tried to, but there wasn't a ton. There was a few here and there, but I wasn't anything special at the bat. <laughs> First base, outfield? I played outfield. Outfield. So in, in, in Iowa, there's the Iowa Cubs. They're AAA. They're in Des Moines. Are they in Des Moines? Yeah. And and you're uh, out of Cedar Rapids. Is it the Cedar Rapids Colonels? Yeah. Did they're in the high A. They're with the high A, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. They're in the same district. Well, I guess league. Yeah, and we, we would have gone to them if we would have beat the who are they? The loons. With the the loons. If we would have beat the loons, we would have gone to Cedar Rapids. So it would have been fun to pitch there. That type of did you grow up going to loons or not loons games too at the Colonels games? Uh, I grew I went to a few. I went to surprisingly Mike Trout's debut when they were with the Angels. So he made his professional debut with the Colonels. So my dad and along with fifty other fifty thousand other people in Iowa decided right. to go show up for that. So it was a fun experience. I, I haven't gone to a ton, but I went to a few, and that was one of my most memorable moments at Colonel Stadium. That's funny. It's named Colonel Stadium, too. <laughs> well, perfect game stadium now. It was Vets Memorial, and then they changed it to Colonel – I mean, perfect game field, I guess. All right. So you were in high school, you played football, and you ran track. What you would you play in football? Uh, basically every position but O-line. We were such a small school that – if you're an athlete, you kind of got to play everything in a way. Yeah. So I'll be <laughs> quarterback. I'd be running back. I'd play defense, DN, linebacker, punt returner. So was, there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of fun in that because you got to try every position, got to kind of do everything, not just stuck to one thing. Now, was it was it a full eleven man uh, football? Because I've heard there's like seven seven man football or something like that. There's a smaller. Yeah, uh, I understand smaller schools they they play some of that because they don't have enough people. Right. Mm-hmm. That was like we're on the edge of getting brought down to eight man. It is in Iowa, so that would be interesting. But I don't know if I could play football with only eight people on the field. I feel like you got to play it with all eleven. <laughs> and so for those you, of you guys that don't know, real quick, uh, Lisbon, uh, Iowa has about fifteen people in it. Like there, there's uh, there's Austin's family, and then like two other people. There's really like two thousand people in, in in the village. Yeah. 43 in my graduating class, so. Wow. Barely scrapped together a football team with that. <laughs> so you were a punter too, huh? Oh, yeah. That was pretty fun back in the day. Did you do place kicking at all? I did not. We had one guy that was pretty dedicated to uh, being our uh, kicker, so we let him kind of be the kicker, and whenever things started going south, we'd end up going for two a lot. So it was Iowa football. You scrapped together a few people, the Farmers, farm boys are usually the linemen, the big guys, and then right, right. corn fed here and there. <laughs> so hey, what about Austin, track? Quarterback. What you, what's so that? What, what did you do in track? Track. I will. I started as an eight hundred runner. I found out I hated long distance, so then I moved to sprints to try to get a little bit faster for football and stuff. Now your dad says you might have, you could have gone D one for for football. Were you getting any looks, or were you thinking about going D one for football? I mean, if I, in my mind, I just kind of, I didn't want to go out of my way to go do like camps and all that stuff. So I was like, if they see me, they see me. If they don't, they don't. So I feel like if I was at a bigger school, maybe, but being at such a small school, not a lot of people are looking at 
one A Iowa football right. playing around there. So <laughs> I like to say I could, but who really who knows at the moment? Right. Hey, so, so you're all, you're six foot three. Were you were you big growing up, or did you kind of get tall later? Um, I was kind of one of the bigger guys, not really the tallest, but I was always kind of a little bit taller. So I kind of hit a big growth spurt like my freshman going into sophomore year and then into junior year a little bit was kind of when I hit my big growth spurt that got me to six three. And I really started to focus on like lifting and kind of hammered down more on like baseball activities and stuff and took more of my attention to that instead of like, oh, I need to get super big for football when that's not what I want to go do later in life. Well, and that's and that's kind of leads us into our next question. So all three of those sports kind of have three different kind of workout regimens. You had what football in the beginning of the year, baseball in, in the middle of the year, and then track somewhere in between there. How did those workouts kind of coalesce, or how did they work together? Um, well, football was good. We are in Iowa. It's a little we're a little unique. So our baseball season's in the summer. Track is in the spring, and then I took winter off for just kind of like lift, workout, get into shape. And then football was in the fall. So football was good. Helped me get like stronger in going into the winter, keep lifting and then go into track season. Like, all right, I'm ready to run fast. And I feel like I'm strong enough to run faster. And then that just kind of bleeds right into baseball where it's like, all right, well, you just got done running for three months. Now it's time to go play baseball. Let's get after it. So it kind of, it adds up really well where it's like the strength part's almost done. And then you go right into the running side and then running right into baseball, which for me, I didn't do a ton of like throwing when I was younger because like right. arms were bulletproof when we were in high school. So it was kind of just grab a ball, go play catch, and see what happens. That mobility from track, I'm sure, really helped with uh, with the baseball. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're hey, we're seeing a lot of players starting to their college. So you started your college career in JUCO. We're seeing a lot of guys do that. Um, what was the impetus for that? Well, I kind of another thing with like one A baseball in the summer there's not a lot of whole not a lot of i'd say high college scouts that go to iowa to watch high school baseball so i thought it was a little difficult being one a's too because i was like as a lefty throwing i'd say 86 to 88 out of high school is probably not terrible and only getting a preferred walk on to the university of iowa i was like well heck i'm just gonna take my shot at juco and see what happens if nothing better than another preferred walk-on happens then so be it that's just how it is but I got to JUCO and found out that a lefty that topped out at 93 is pretty valuable. So I thought, yeah. oh, well, this is pretty cool. Like, I had to deal with the whole experience. And luckily, TCU gave me a call, and I got to go on a visit, and I fell in love with it right away. So how did that whole transfer come out? Did you know that they were scouting you? Did you know they were looking at you? Um, Not really. It was kind of just we had a showcase for JUCO in Indianapolis, and that was where a lot of – Division one schools kind of go to okay. see a lot of the teams that come in because there's like 64 teams from the Midwest area that come into this tournament that are all JUCO. So I think that's where TCU saw me, Ole Miss, Arizona State, like a few Power Five schools where it's they were there and they happened to see me. They're like, oh, well, let's try getting him on a visit. Let's try getting him an offer, wherever it may be. Yeah, you mentioned showcase, and that may be because you were talking about coming from Iowa. It's hard to get visibility. Um, yeah, and one of the things that we tend to bounce back on is just how expensive this sport can be coming up. Yeah. And so I would imagine that if you had different opportunities, maybe to do the showcase circuit and do travel ball and all this, which is incredibly expensive, that might have opened up different doors for you. But anyway, right. you made it here. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were at TCU, your pitching coach, Kirk Sarlus, had a seven-year major league career. Uh, what did you? What were you able to glean from him? 
he he really taught me more about myself and kind of understanding myself more and like I tend to be a guy that pitches a little frustrated so he's like don't take that away just learn how to control it so it's kind of more of controlling that and he really taught me how to like understand myself and control my energy we'll say on the mound because it can be a little <laughs> wild but he helped a little bit with like Brian Kane and he was one of the guys that TCU brought in and he was a guy that was a big mental performance guy and he kind of helped us level up like an extra step or an 1% better than other teams because we were able to take advantage of the mental game. Dude, the mental game is so huge uh, in sports and being able to tap that emotion. Like, you know, you get a bad call and you kind of look into the umpire and you're like, oh, fuck, hold on, refocus, and you focus that energy. Or so many boots a ball. I mean, crazy things happen. Right. We see that in the majors all the time. It's some one bad little thing happens and they just let it, everything comes apart. Oh, yeah. Um, where I, we were yesterday talking to Robbie Snelling, one of the things that we've noticed as he as his season's gone by is like he'll he'll have that rough first inning and then he'll get pissed off and use it in, in to to his advantage. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you kind of figured out how to do that a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of myself in Robbie, but he's also a little bit better than me. So it's fun learning from him as because he's a little bit younger and he's very mature for who he is and he's already a very, very, very good athlete. And it's like, what can I do as a lefty to learn from him? And me and him both kind of pitching that like aggressive mode where it's like, we need to be a little frustrated in order to pitch well, because it's like, it almost clicks us and tells us, all right, this means a lot to us. Like, this is what we do. This is what we love. Like, we don't want to go out there and not perform and give, put on a show for people. It's like, so in my mind, I can start going bad. It's like, all right, you got to lock it in Austin. You got to turn it up one more notch and you got to get this guy out. I get back to the dugout. <laughs> do, do we talked a lot about hunting with him and you do a lot of hunting. Do you guys ever swap any stories? Um, not really here and there. I mean, I figured he was a big hunter. He likes to fish a lot too. We talk a little bit about fishing because okay. he'd take off sometimes and go fish. And I'd be like, just got done with the game. You ready to go fish right now? Like, so he's, he's a very outdoors guy. Robbie loves to go out and stay in the outdoors. For me, sometimes I'm just good with sitting in and playing a little video games. Now I get a little bit older. <laughs> you know who else is a big fisherman that we were just talking to? It was Cole Puplum. Oh, yeah. Everything kept coming back to, like, throw, lift, fish. And it's like, I want to make a sign, like, that right. goes up on his wall. That That's his. That's the, the mantra he lives by. Oh, yeah. Wisconsin, he – I told him – so I'm a big Vikings fan, and he's a Packers fan, and they play on last week. And I was like, hey – we got to hang out on this. We're going to the game. So we'll see if that happens. But me and Cole, me, I'd say me and Cole are very, very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, he's dude, not too epic. far from you. He's what, a couple no. hours away from you right now? Yeah, he's in like Milwaukee. So I guess like three and a half, four hours, I want to say, from where I live. Oh, he oh, could yeah. make that work for a weekend. Oh, yeah. It'll be a fun weekend. All um, right. So you played some summer ball um, and you had a chance to play at the Wolf Stadium. Uh, down in San Antonio. So you were a flying chocla. Yeah, that's, uh, I always look back. I'm like, that's kind of ironic how I played in the TCL for the San Antonio team in the mission stadium and they got drafted by the Padres. So I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. Like, I feel like I've already been here before, which it was <laughs> nice when I ended the year there. I was like, I know everything about this stadium. Right. Like I've been here before. I've already done the whole summer here. <laughs> so it was cool. Like, it was very fun playing there because I had another buddy that he's actually my roommate. He played with me and he was at TCU. So it was fun being there and enjoying all the San Antonio festivities, we'll say. Pointy boots the... and all that stuff. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you keep your jersey? 
Uh, I did not. I wanted to, but I was like, oh. that jersey was eight sizes too big. So I decided I'll just wait until I go back next year. <laughs> you just got to get more swole. Right. True. That's very true. Or gain All right. So at TCU, your sophomore year, you started the bullpen and then, and then the season got shut down. How did you keep in shape during the kind of the COVID, COVID period? Yeah, for me, that was – we didn't really know what was going to happen. So, like, right when we got sent home from we – we were going to play San Diego State that Tuesday. Uh-huh. Season gets canceled. We fly back. And we're our head coach like, stay in shape. Like, keep throwing. Do all, we don't know what's going to happen. So, like, the next two weeks, we're still throwing, doing all this and that. Everything's closed. Everything's done for. It's like, well – so, for me, I kind of just – I went back home in Iowa and really just kind of, like, did the hunting, did the fishing, did more of the stuff that you can do where you're not – socializing with everyone to right. where you're still actually going outdoors, enjoying your time with like, I was still hung out with friends, unfortunately, but yeah. well, not unfortunately, but don't get mad if I was around people within six feet. <laughs> but so what was your situation there? Did you have a, a facility you were able to work out at or something? Yeah. So there's a facility, I'd say 10, 15 minutes away from my house. It's called dugout sports. It's a really it's a good place for all the people in the Cedar Rapids area to kind of come in and the pro guys around the area will come in and play. Like there's bullpens, there's batting cages, wherever you need kind of is right there for you. And, and one big guy that goes there a lot, it's Mitch Keller. So I got to learn okay. a lot from him during that whole year. It's like, Oh, like you're still pitching. You're still doing your routines and stuff. So I got to learn from him. Like what helped you get to where you are? Like, what did you do differently than other people? Like, what was your mindset? How did you approach it? So it was really cool learning from him because an Iowa kid, like we all kind of fantasize about the next Iowa generation. So I was like, oh, that's Mitch Keller. Like, I want to know everything about how he got to where he's at. So it was pretty cool. Dude, that's epic. And you're right. I did a little snooping. Don't, you know, this is why I kind of reached out to you. Your brother went to state, San Diego yeah, State. He did. Dude, he so oh, go we ahead. are where I live is right across the freeway from what used to be his stadium. Okay. So now it's now it's Snapdragon Stadium. We're just like we're just right across the street, really, uh, from the stadium there. But did you, you know, when you're when you guys played San Diego State, you know, where did your brother think of that? Well, we didn't technically play them. We got canceled the day before, like the uh, we got canceled on Monday. We played. We we're supposed to play on Tuesday, so we were there. We had bullpen. We just got done taking BP. Show up for the game, and they're like, "Hey, we're not playing today." We were full uniform. We were like, "Hey, no game today." Like, uh, I guess it's a serious thing. Like, we got to go home. Like, everything's getting shut down for the year. Like, wait, what? Like. What's going on? Like we were ready to go play that day too. So, but I love San Diego State going on campus, using their weight room and stuff. I was like, I could see myself going here. This place is awesome. It's beautiful there. Yeah. Was he was he playing at Was he playing any sports at the time, or was he just a student? He was just a student there. He was just going to get his film degree at San Diego State. How's that working out for him? Good. He's enjoying it. He's in Iowa right now. He's working. So I would say he would love to be somewhere else, away from the cold weather right now, but. <laughs> he, also, he doesn't mind it. He likes being in the cold sometimes. So I like it too. I mean, sometimes I like the snowboard, but can't really do much of that anymore, unfortunately. All right. Good so question. 2021, you came back from COVID and you wound up having a great year, eight and one record with a 3.81 ERA. Um, what clicked for you? Was it the training that you put in or was were there other changes? Uh, I think it was just, I'd say the summer ball, because we had it that year to get into the season. Like we started in summer ball to preamp for everything and that was pretty good because it gave me a little bit of a head start of having my arm in shape understanding how I'm throwing right at the moment so it was good because I learned I had to say I have an extra month of development that year to where I was like okay I know what I need to do what pitches work best for me what can I say 
I need to scratch this if things aren't going well and just stick to this pitch or stick to this spot or so it was good like that year I feel like I just changed a few mechanics where it was like don't fall down the mound so much just kind of stay loaded a little bit more and that helped a lot with just controlling the ball a little bit better and not being so scattery with it dude then halfway through your junior year you got injured what wow what a bummer because you were cruising that junior year as well yeah I mean it was it happens in my mind it was just overworked my arm a little bit but luckily I figured out that I did that in college and it wasn't anything serious to where I had to have surgery so luckily it was nothing terrible I'm lucky I learned from it where it's like oh this is what it feels like when you're like I don't know if I can pick up a baseball today like I don't know if I can throw I probably should go talk to someone so I know a good line of where I need to say, oh, I need to go talk to a trainer. No, I'm throwing today. No matter if it hurts, I'm throwing. Like I can feel it, but we're throwing today because it's not as bad as what it was. And for me, I like to compete. So the one day a week for me, I eat that up. You know, you, know, you talked about when you were in high school having a rubber band arm. Um, and one thing we hear a lot of guys talk about is arm care. Um, mm-hmm. So is that something that you learned as you got into college? And is that something that you've kind of changed your habits as you've gotten into your pro? Yeah, so I learned a lot of it with our strength coach here at TCU, Zach Dagan. He's really, really, really good at what he does. And he helped me a ton of like, cause I was a big, more broader guy. Like, so I had to learn how to get more mobility. And he really helped me with like opening up my hips, opening up my ankles to then allow me to throw a little bit harder, get better into position. So yes, I arm care, unbelievable. I, I take that serious every single day where it's like, you need to do something to take care of your arm. Cause in my mind, it's like you never really know how much you have left, so you got to take care of it as well as you can while you can. So yeah, that's your moneymaker, too. You got, oh, yeah. that's your... <laughs> that makes sure that thing is staying healthy because, in my mind, if you can stay healthy a full season, that's a lot more valuable in a lot of other people's minds, too. All right. So then you come back and then you come out of the bullpen. I'm not sure if you made a start to me, you came out of the bullpen and then you came out of the bullpen a little bit for, uh, for uh, the missions. How do you like the bullpen? I don't mind it. Honestly, I started my TCU career in the bullpen. It wasn't bad. I fell into the role, but I mean, I like starting because I get to think that's my game. I get to own that game. Like whatever happens, it's on me, but bullpen's fun. Like I, I'm the guy where it's like, I like that adrenaline rush where it's like, Hey, bro, get going. It's like, all right, we got to go. We got to loosen the arm up. We got to get on the mound. You got the next batter. So I'm a fan of the bullpen. I like the adrenaline rush. I like getting going. So it's always nice to just get the random call and saying, Hey, get it going. Like you're out, you're up next. Like you're the guy. So it's a fun feeling. You got to be wired a certain way for that. Cause a lot of people have a hard time making that transition. People are so like routine oriented. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was a little different going to San Antonio. Cause I was like new area. I had to figure out where all the stuff is, where I can like stretch out, do my stuff in the bullpen. Like how am I going to approach the bullpen? Like, so it was, it was getting used to a little bit but i felt like i figured out a good routine on the day that i threw where i was like i felt good going on the mound on a unexpected call kind of like they gave me a heads yeah. up before the ending like hey you might be going in next inning just start getting loose so i think one guy got on they're like hey like you're in like you got the next batter after this guy so i liked it i like the little adrenaline rush where it's like you got to get going get hot get on the mound and go do you uh, yep. do you hit the red bull or anything like that? I we, we sit right by the the bullpen at Petco Park, and so I see they got the cooler there with all the energy drinks. I know oh, they yeah. got a pot of coffee under under there, and I know some of these guys are getting just all fired up on that stuff. I'm a big. I like to drink one energy drink before a game because uh-huh. just gets you going a little bit. Like that little the juice is flowing. You're like, all right, well then 
the phone call comes down to take a quick chug and you're like, all right, let's go. Like, that's my quick energy boost. Let's get on the mound. Let's start throwing that ball. <laughs> nice. Nice. Let's go. Let's go. I, I, I still have my Juco ways. I got to crush Red Bull every once in a while. <laughs> nice. Juco <laughs> bandit. Yeah. You know, and don't take this the wrong way. We were talking to Robbie last night about it, and he was talking about, you know, he grew up a Seth Beer fan, and, like, he's in double A, and he's pitching against Seth Beer, and then we were talking about the playoff game, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, then then Krobe came in and beamed him. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad like, on that. Yeah. That's the one guy I was like, I know, I'm, gonna, I'm getting this guy out, and I had him with two strikes. I was like, all right, I'm going to try this new cutter I just, I just created a few days ago. And I threw it, and it kind of came out like a two seam. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> cutting!" I was like, "Oh no!" And it hit him on the shoulder. I'm like, "The one guy I didn't want to hit was him." And I look at him, I go, "That's my bad." And he's like, "No, you're good." Like, oh, and he <laughs> and the playoffs and being the one former big league. I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and he's a big boy too, man. He's oh, a yeah. big boy. He was a he was a unit. Yeah, he covered the plate too a little bit. So I was like, "I can't really get in." And I tried <laughs> getting in, and it didn't really go so well. So. <laughs> All right, so let's take it a couple of steps at you. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, let's talk about draft day. Um, did, you know, what were your thoughts on draft day? Did you, were you hanging around? Did you have family around? Did you, do you think we're going to go the first day, second day, or third day? Um, For me, I didn't really know what to think. In my mind, that year, it was just get drafted, be, I was blessed to get an opportunity. Yeah. I didn't know when it was going to come. I was really hoping it was from the Padres because, the year before that, I did have the chance to go in the fifth round, but I declined it because I wanted to take a gamble on myself at college and see if I could become a better pitcher there. Unfortunately, it didn't go the way it did, and I uh, happened to have shoulder problems, a little shoulder bursitis, sat out a few weeks, stock went down. So I was just very happy and fortunate to get an opportunity to go and chase the dream that I wanted to do. So in my mind, my whole goal this year was just to stay healthy and coming off of that season I just wanted to have a full healthy season and that was my main goal and I'm glad that I accomplished that out of that on did you how close are you to, to graduating I have one semester left are you and are you nice. doing it not right now but I'm going to do it probably now. Oh, it's kind of hard because TCU my major classes you only can do them online I mean in person at TCU so I like that's the iffy area if I want to get a degree somewhere else I'd have to, I could do it online but I also kind of want to get that TCU degree and hang it up oh, in my yeah. room. So I can I might do like one class a semester, kind of like break it up. But I also I'm in no rush right now. Okay, chasing the dream right now. So once the once I get there, and maybe if I have time, I'd go. I I know for sure I'll go back and get it. My mom's already harping on me about it. <laughs> what, what were you what, studying? Yeah, uh, it was communications, and I changed it to sociology with a okay. minor in criminal justice. So it's it was a fun. I didn't, I like communications and then they started getting like 10, 15 page papers. I'm like, this isn't me. I can come <laughs> up with eight, but 10 to 15 is a little too long. So but communications really aren't you guys doing voice work? What's that? Wait, communications. So what are you studying in communications? I thought communication was like radio it was, and it's a lot of papers. Like in for at TCU, it's more of just like you view something, you study it, and then you have to like explain the entire thing of, from a communications aspect, how can you use right. this theory, this theory, this theory, and then put it all in like a long eight page paper, basically like the final was 15. I was like, wow, this is, <laughs> I was just typing away for a good week. All right. Well, Roy dropped out for some reason, but let's keep going here. He'll, he'll come back here in a second. So Marcelo Perez also got drafted. Uh, he was drafted by the mm-hmm. minors. Did, uh, did you hang with him in spring training? 
Yeah, he's actually my roommate right now. That's oh, is it? Cool, cool, he's cool. He's the one I play at the TCL with me in San Antonio. And yeah, at spring training, we usually tend to try to get together a few times, go get dinner, hang out as much as we can while we're free. But we know it can be busy at times during spring training. And we're both kind of on our own schedules in a way. But then we both have a good amount of free time where we get to hang out and see each other, go out and eat and do stuff. Do you guys ever kind of compare what, I don't know, development, but what, hey, what are you guys doing over there? Hey, well, this is what yeah, we're doing. I like to talk. I like to talk to them a lot about their pitching side of stuff just because they have, they like, they call it a velo program. And for me, like my goal is to kind of like increase a little bit of velo. So I was kind of interested in it. And I started like following what he's doing, un- understanding what their idea is of like this progression form. And I was like, oh, this is like a good idea. Like I understand it. Like, so I kind of talked, looked through my schedule, showed it to him, showed him, like he showed me his. And we just like went back and forth. Oh, I get like what they're trying to do. And their side of the park, like their side of the park, it was pretty cool. Like their side of development was good. Our side's, I think, good as well. But they, I feel like everyone just has a little bit different yeah. views on some stuff, like different drills, different activities or different goals they want you to strive for. So, Theirs are a little bit different than ours. Ours are a little bit different than theirs. So we kind of just tend to put both of them together and see what works best for both of us. Uh, have you worked with Rob Marcello much? Because I understand he was hired from the Mariners and he had a hand in in setting that whole program up. Yeah. So he's uh, Rob. I actually like Rob a lot because he's helped me. Him being a lefty, he understands lefties a tad bit more, I like to say, just because he knows what it's like to be a lefty. So he really could help me. He helped me a ton this year just understanding like who I am what pitcher I can be, who I want to be. And like, he really helped understand like, oh, this is what you got to do. Like he understands what mechanical changes I could tweak, what things I could tweak. And it's just like, okay, that's really cool. Cause it's nice hearing that from someone that can see the changes that need to be made and wants you to help, wants to help change them for you or with you, not for you, but with you. Yeah, to take a little side tangent here, I follow Rob on Twitter, and today I saw he posted something that I thought was really cool. He said, as his holiday season approaches, if you know of a child who has lost a parent and is in need of a pitching lesson in Palm Beach, Florida, please let me know. In my childhood, many people stepped up for me, and this is my way of giving back. And I saw that, and that just, I mean, I didn't, I my parents were with me throughout my childhood, but I can only imagine the disadvantage that that place is somebody at. So that, I don't know. I thought that that spoke to the kind of person that he is. Yeah, that truly does. I mean, me and Rob had a really heart to heart moment in spring training one time. So I found out that, that about him and he kind of told me his story and I was like, Holy shit. Like that's crazy. I, I couldn't imagine that. So it was really cool to understand where he came from and he understood where I came from. So we could both kind of come on the same page and like trust one another. And like, right, I want the best for what's best for you. Now I'm going to do everything I can. And I was like, I'm hundred percent down. Like I'll give everything I can to try to become a better. And I think we're both on the same page where it's like, we're both striving to get better in our own ways, in our own right. lives. Right. So it's really cool to see, like he's gotten a lot better. I feel like, cause he's, it's been fun being around Rob and he's a lot of fun to be around. So it's nice to see him like more excited, more excited. Like, I don't know. He likes to go do more stuff now. When we first met him, he was a little bit hard on us, but now he's loosened up. You're like, okay, Rob, like, I'm starting to understand you a little bit better, but at first he was kind of rough on you because he wants to understand you a little bit. But once he opens up, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, that's that's got to be a tough yeah. thing as you're as you're coming up. You've got different people giving you different input, suggesting things, give it, and it. How do you know who has your best interests in in mind and who's who has their own agenda? 
I mean, that happens in all walks of life, but I baseball can be kind of a cutthroat kind of a thing, um, especially in the minors. And so it's got to be reassuring knowing that somebody fairly high up in the org looks at you like on, on an even level like that. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, you really learn kind of what works well for you well, as a person. Like you learn what works best for you. So some stuff people say might stick. Some stuff might just kind of go one in ear, in through one ear, not the other. Like it's like, yes, you listen to it, you processed it, but it might not work for you in your routine. So it's nice understanding the guys that really understand you because then they really know kind of, all right, this is what will help him because I know how he thinks. I know how he works. If I tell him to do this, he's going to put his nose down, his head down. He's going to go get it done. So it's like sometimes it's just being direct and saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. Go try a few drills, go do it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you don't have to do it. It's trial and error type of thing. So it's pretty cool having the freedom of not being scared to fail around the uh, coaches and stuff. Kind of, they kind of want to see you fail there. Yeah. Just to see how you react. And you don't learn by, you know, my chef used to tell me you don't learn everything by doing it right on accident. You know, you make mistakes and then you'll you'll move forward. Oh, yeah. All right. So after draft day, you arrive in Peoria, you walk into the clubhouse, you see your locker. Dude, what does that feel like? It's amazing. I took a picture and I sent it right to my parents. I go, I can't believe I got my own locker. I got my name up, everything. I got my shirt set up. I was like, this is awesome. Like, I can't believe it happened. But I think the most real part was kind of like the phone call with my mom after that day where it was like, I can't believe I'm here. Like I was kind of, the first day was nerve wracking. You got to get everything done, all the physicals, all this other stuff. My mom, I can't believe this. Like I'm do, I'm on my own, kind of now. Like I'm in Arizona. I've never been to Arizona. Like so, it's a cool feeling of just being like, you get to start your job in a way, but it's not really a job. Like we still get to play the game of baseball, which it's the game's the same since you were eight years old, eight years old till you are 25 or 40. So it's fun because it's like it may be a job, but the fun part is like you still get to play the game that you grew up loving and desiring to go to the field every day. And you're like, I want to do something to get better. I want to go throw a baseball, which and me, it's just like going to the field and being able to go to the opportunity where it's like, this is now technically my job. This is unbelievable. Yeah. Like I got to do this as a kid. Like I love playing this. Like this is a sport to me. And now I got to do this as a job. Like it's a blessing, such a blessing. Yeah. So your start as a pro was a, you got, you, you got, you got kind of ping ponged a little bit. So you show up to Peoria. How long were you in Peoria? Cause you made one appearance with the ACL Padres and then they sent you off to Lake Elsinore and you made two starts there. I, how did that all happen? Oh, yeah. So we were there for that three weeks, the draft camp, whatever, kind of getting everything situated. Some guys got shipped off a little quicker. We had a good, we had a little break. So they sent us, they, you had a four day break, you go home. So I was like, I'm going to go home, get my car, drive it to Arizona. Went from Iowa to Arizona one day, 20 hours. I, like, oh. All right, I finally made it. Two days later, I had to throw in the ACL game, one inning. And then the day after, Rob's like, hey, you're going to Lakey. I need you to drive to Lake Elsinore. So I'm like, I just drove 20 hours two days ago. <laughs> Through one in seven pitches, and now you want me to drive all the way to Lake Elsinore the next morning. I was like, I'll do it. I love it. I'm not afraid of it. I was like, I'm ready to lay down in bed for like a week or something. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that must was have a- been a pretty hairy drive, too. 20 hours. Damn, dude. I had to grind. I was like, I just got to get it done with. A lot of Red Bull there. A lot. I think two or three cans got me through the night. Uh, do me a favor. Next time you have to do that, get a hotel halfway along the way, right, please. Man, right. I mean, I was able to do that when I was your age, but man, that gets old quick. Oh yeah. I learned now. I'm probably not going to ever do that again. Cause that was, 
that was a tough drive at the end. I was like, all right, just get to Peoria, get to Peoria, get to Peoria. Well, driving across New Mexico is just so uh, – that whole stretch is boring. Driving yeah. across northern Texas. and uh, I made that drive. I went from, what, St. Louis to Phoenix in one in pretty much one stint. And, oh, my God, I was just – I was seeing double for part of it. Yeah. That's dangerous. Oh, yeah. It gets a little boring after I like, it's just the same stuff over and over again. Like, nothing's changing. Once the mountains show up, you're like, oh, well, now I'm starting to actually see a little bit more. Like, not just flat nothingness and open land. Okay, so making the one appearance in ACL and then going to Lake Elsinore, did they communicate to you like what kind of plan was going on or was it just like, hey, we need you? Yeah, I mean, they communicated pretty well. It was just like, hey, we want to send you there. We're just going to see how you do. Like, just go out, pitch. We're going to give you two starts. It's only going to be 40 pitches. We're going to see how you do. That's it. We just want to test you. They already clinched playoffs. So if you do well and you come in, do really well, you might be used in the playoffs. You might not because we already have. 16 guys that are already there ready to right. play in the playoffs. So I kind of just joined a very stacked team to kind of go accomplish what we accomplished as in they accomplished winning the whole thing. And I was fortunate enough to be a part of that because it was a very fun experience because the day we won it, it was on my birthday. So I was like, that's like my first birthday party in like three nice. years. Hey, so it was cool. Nice celebration for everyone. So did you make quick friends with guys? Who were your roommates? Oh, yeah. So right when I got there, my roommates were Hoffman, White Hoffman and Marcus Castagnon. So two great <laughs> guys to start off with. It. <laughs> Video games were played every night. So that was a good way to kind of get closer with them, like just gaming, kind of chatting it up, hanging out late. Like That's a couple a- of outgoing, like trash talking yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. It was fun because I got to like at first I was a little nervous. Like I don't want to like step out of my way, mm-hmm. like say too much, be out like obnoxious. And then they're just ripping me up, like, oh, you're like not enough kills. What do we do? Like, war zone. We need to get a win. Blah, blah. <laughs> so we started talking trash to each other, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, we had a blast that year. And ironically, me and Hoffie uh, roomed together this year at Lake E when we first started, and that was a blast. Like, rooming with Hoffie is always fun. Hoffie's a, Hoffie's a good dude, man. He is, he oh, is, yeah. he's a great guy. A couple of the guys we've talked to have talked about Hoffman and, uh, his actually his video game prowess as well. Not, a, not only that, just the just the personality is just like he's loving life. Oh yeah, it was hard to get him to leave the clubhouse at night sometimes because you put a PS4 in there and right. everyone loved playing that. So it was like tournaments every day after the games. Like, all right, who's up? Who's next? Like, so it was a lot of fun playing that. <laughs> all right, so let's keep going here, um, dude. Then you get so then you know going into last off so going into the last off season into this season. Um, you know, did your preparation kind of kick up a notch there? Um, not really. I just kind of really found a good routine that fit me. So it was like, I wasn't trying to add a ton or trying to do anything extra. It's just more kind of what works best for me. So it was like, what gets my body loose? What gets my body in the right shape to where I can say, I want to go out and I want to go throw. Like, I feel good. So for me, routine is everything. I feel like not really everything, but for me, it's good to stick to routine because you know what bo- like boxes you got to check for the day. Like I got to stretch here, do this, do this, this certain time early. I got to put this on my arm or I got to take this Advil. So it's cool to have a routine. And that's what I kind of really understood throughout it was just figuring out a good routine that helped me feel like I'm, I can perform the best I can. Yeah. And then moving into this off season, you, you pretty much a lot of the same. Did you pick yeah. up any of the Velo? Have you picked up any of the Velo with a Velo program or? Uh, I haven't really, I haven't really looked at it, but the way it's coming out, it feels really well. 
I made a little tweak where I'm just trying to clean up my arm, just trying to get a little bit higher. So it's like on time a little bit sooner. So that feels better. And that's why I feel like I feel like I'm throwing a little bit harder with lit, with not as much effort, which feels good. Like everything's coming out well. The only bad thing I'd say is sometimes I tend to go back to my natural way of like keeping a long arm action and just trying to go back to what I want to do. So I kind of have to like refresh myself. All right, keep it tight. Keep it tight. Like you want to, direct like i want to like think throw through is the catcher's mass not trying to like two seam everything not trying to like make it all run make it all move like don't be afraid to kind of push it through his mask so you're kind of a like a low three-quarter almost sidearm kind of mm-hmm. guy right is so are you trying you say you're trying to get a little bit higher more on top of it kind of, it's more kind of just clean up the way my arm comes out instead of like swinging it so far down and like around to where i like make up for it and i'm like lagging behind so it's more just like getting it like up here and on time to where I can then like come around a little bit easier and it's not as stressful on my shoulder, which it feels a lot better right now. It feels like it's really smooth. So that's what's nice. But I haven't also stepped on a mound and thrown 95 to 100% yet. So I don't really know how that's going right. to feel after. So I'm excited. It feels really good right now, though. That's the best part. All right. All right. So we've skipped past the 2023 season. Let's Let's move back a little bit. Earlier in the year, I heard that you went down to Petco Park and you were throwing live BP to some of the major leaguers. What? How did that come about? Uh, yeah, so in spring training, I had to fly out to, Arizona, to California right before the opening day, and Soto wanted some guys to throw live to him. <laughs> so we were throwing live, and then in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to strike him out. Like, once, I'll get him once. Didn't quite get him. Uh, they're like, you can't throw in on him. We don't want to get them all off guard. So I was like, all right, well, I have to go against my game plan. I don't, I don't like going away against lefties because I'm a lefty, so I like to stay in on them. So I'm throwing all the way, all the way. I walk him, and then I'm like, oh, no. Like So the next time he comes up and I hang a slider and he just takes me yard, I'm like – I started laughing. I was like, this is – I was like, I just got <laughs> home run it and off with my wand. So. <laughs> but the first time he did the Soto shuffle, I could not stop laughing on the mound. I was like – this is hilarious. I was like, he just did it to me. I started laughing. I was like, I just got Soto shuffled. And was he like, was he like staring? Is that serious? Staring right at me. That's why I started laughing. I was like, I can't believe you just like, this is a live AB. It's nine o'clock in the morning. And you got me. I'm like, I just had 30 minutes to get on this mound. I, I'm barely even loose. And you're, I threw one pitch. It was a ball. And he started shuffling. I'm like, all right, we're, all right. Time to lock it in. I started laughing. I'm like, all right, well, he's doing the Soto shuffle. It's time to lock it in. <laughs> So, so you just threw it. You just throw to one. Did you throw to anyone else? Um, there was one other player. I can't really. I'm not bad with last names. It was an outfielder. Okay. Not but it was, with Trent Grisham's a so lefty. Are you throwing only lefties? The righty. He was a righty. Righty. I think he was a Latin player. I believe. Like hmm. I'm. I, it was just my bad. I knew his name. It starts with an A. Shoot. And now I'm drawing a blank. I'm not right. Well, anyway, so was it just because you happened to be out there and it was like, okay, we need a warm body with an arm that can stand out there and throw? Or did they choose you out of a pool of people? That I'm not 100% sure. If I, we were all at spring training still. And they the big league team had shipped out to San Diego to get ready for the opening day. So I assume it was out of a pool of who was able to throw as a lefty. And I happened to be one of them. Or it was... They could have sent anybody, and they happened to send me. So I feel luckily enough to do that. But it was me and the righty who went to go play. Well, went to throw to him so he could see one from the left side and one from the right. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's that's got to be such a cool experience. Dude, 
Oh yeah, that was a lot of fun. Like going to Petco to go throw to Juan Soto was a, it was fun. It was an interesting experience. I was up at five o'clock in the morning, hopping on a flight to San Diego. So it was early morning, but it was a hell of an experience. I'd like to say. Well, at least you didn't have to drive. That's very true. <laughs> that would have been tough. <clears throat> All right, so what do we got here? We got, we know a bunch of you guys got promoted up to uh, to Fort Wayne. Did uh, do you guys all fly together, or was it a separate? Yeah, we all flew, which was kind of fun. We all were on the same flights, and we were all just kind of hanging out like a little mob kind of. It was all like I think there's like six of us walking through the airport. Like, oh, this feels cool. Like we're all getting promoted. Like we're going to Fort Wayne. Like this is awesome. Like so it was a really cool experience. Where like all of us were like very uplifting. We're all like. Everyone's walking off on a phone call to say, oh, hey, yeah, I had up to Fort Wayne, like getting cra- congratulated. So it was a lot of fun, like the whole experience of traveling like that, because you're like, oh, this is sick. Like we're traveling to go to a new affiliate, like we got promoted almost. So it's, it was a cool, humbling experience. There's no, nowhere else I feel more important than in an airport. I am not a food service manager for a D1 school. I am someone totally different whenever I'm in an airport. I, I don't know what's weird about me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you have bags like Lake E-bags, or did you guys just have a carry-on, or they ship everything else out? Well, some of us had our, like, San Diego bags, so some people started seeing, they're like, oh, what do you guys play for? Oh, we play for Lake Elsinore Stone. We're getting promote. We're heading to high A right now. Like, oh, congratulations. So we kind of stuck out a little bit, especially being – a little bit bigger than the normal person. Only had Robbie, yeah. me. We had a bunch of people going. It's just like, all right, we have some size. We have a bunch of guys that look like they could be athletes, and we right. kind of just all look. We fit the role. We're in a big group, and we're all carrying bags and Padre stuff. It's one thing when you got one guy traveling, but you had a whole mob of people. Oh yeah, we had I think six guys that day. Holy cow! All right, so you get to Fort Wayne. You you continue to pitch well. It's like you picked up right where you left off, um, and then you hit a little bit of a rough rough patch in August. Um, do you know what what happened? Was it you know was it something? What was that all about? You know, um, personally, I think it was like mental. I just kind of got out of it mentally, just lost a little mental focus, and that's when I really kind of had to turn it up a little bit. Whereas like I need to really focus more on my mental game here because that's kind of what's separating me from, in my mind, high to double a was my mental game so i felt like if i could really hammer on my mental game that could really help level me up a little bit and luckily craig stammon helped out a little bit because he just finished up his career and he was he's with the like he's helping with the Padres and everything and he was a guy that was willing to come help me and kind of explore the mental journey because he's for a guy being a great career he had such an amazing career and a role model to so many like i want to learn everything he knows because like I, could, I want to be like Craig, like he's 14 year career, like great guy, great human, like great family. So it's like, he really helped me understand like it, a lot of it's meant like 80% of it's mental. Like if you mentally can stay locked in every pitch, you could be one of the best pitch. Like anybody could be the best pitcher because it, the hardest part is staying locked in for a hundred pitches. Like, yeah, you might be able to stay locked in for 60, but it's 40 that you weren't locked in for, which could have been four home runs or two doubles or wherever it might've been. So he really helped me understand the mental game of the of baseball and more the professional size of it. Yeah, I he's, remember he's seeing had him in the dugout. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's, he's had an interesting journey, and he was pretty much he was almost done with baseball before the Padres brought him back on, and then he kept going for another like five six years. Uh, but it's interesting you talk about the mental side. It's a long season, 
Um, and I can see how it's hard to stay locked in game to game, week to week, month to month. Because uh, by that point, you're talking what 16, 17 starts into your season. Uh, it's got to start to grind on you. Yeah, it's very repetitive after times where you're like, oh, just once you finish the start, you understand what you need to do. And it's just like kind of you feel you get in a routine where like, this is what I need to do. And you start like some, I got lax days go out some areas, but then I kind of understood like, all right, I need to like lock it back in. This isn't somewhere you can coast throughout the whole year. It's like, you got to get better each week after week. Like it's not, Oh, I, I did good this week. I can sit back, relax, not have to do so much in my bullpen. not have to do so much in throwing when it's in reality, it's like, all right, well now you know what worked. So how can we get better at getting that to work more consistently? Or how can we get that one pitch to be a more consistent pitch? So it's, in my mind, yes, I, I slacked off a little bit, but understanding that a season is 20-some weeks long, it's like, all right, you may have one or two, three bad weeks, but after, like, you've got to kind of limit the bad weeks and understand that you can get better in so many aspects. It doesn't just have to be throwing a baseball that or throwing that one specific pitch. Like You can work on mechanic drills, PFPs, or anything, or recovery, arm care, training, like training room, weightlifting, so... It's there's a lot of stuff that adds up and makes it more. You, I don't know. Look, am I bad? The no, the monotony of it. I'm sure it gets gets you know draining, and that really really pounds on the mental side of it. it. And this is your first full season. Like this is your first full professional season. You have so many more to go, and the, you've gone so far so quickly. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't know if you'll start in Double A or where you'll start next season, but like. You know, having the season, you, the first season you had it is remarkable. Um, and we're well, and most important, you. you finished the season healthy. You yeah, made yeah. it through. You rung the bell every single time mm -hmm. your number came up. And you, you finished the season healthy with no, you know, no major issues. How did you wind up feeling at the end of the year versus the start of the year? Surprisingly really good. I was, at the beginning of the year, I was really, I felt good. But then at the end of the year, I was like, I don't want to stop throwing. Like now that the season came to an end, I was like, I don't want to stop. Like. I'm just now learning what I need to start developing or start to work on. Like, oh, I need to change up. Well, I only had a few weeks to develop it. Well, I want to keep throwing and doing it. So I kind of had to understand I got to tone it back just a tad. Like, I got to have some sort of a down period to, like, yeah. let my arm recover, body recover. But body felt great after. I was like, in my mind, I kept – well, actually, I did keep throwing. I threw a bullpen for two weeks after, like, two a week just to kind of keep my arm, like, I like to say the deload phase because we build up our arms so much to get it to where we need to go throwing them out. But then a lot of people like to just stop instantly. So for me, I wanted to do like a deload phase where it's like two bullpens one week, one bullpen the next week, and then the last week just light throwing to kind of deload the arm. Yeah. And for me, like my arm feels so good right now being December 3rd, 15th or 13th. whatever. It is. Yeah. So it was like, I feel great shape. Like I'm ready to roll. Like I feel like I can go on the mound a week, two weeks from now, and go out and throw 90, 92, hopefully. Nice. So for this offseason, what kind of things are you are you focusing on? Are you working are you working on mental stuff? Are you working on mobility, anything in particular? Yeah, for me, it's mainly working on the mental side of stuff. Like, in my mind, like, I like to do, like, shadow bullpens. Like, it's, like, where you don't have to throw a baseball, you don't have to do anything, but you're on a mound and you kind of visualize what happens. Like, oh, that's a strike. All right, oh, one count. I'm going to get back on the mound. What pitch am I going to throw? Right, I'm going to put it in my glove, feel it out. But you're not actually throwing the ball, so it kind of helps you kind of run through a, an inning without mm -hmm. actually throwing a baseball, but it's all mental. So it's like, for me, it's the sayings that I had to tell myself in between each pitch where it's like, first pitch was a ball. Oh, so what? Win this pitch. Win this pitch. Like, win the, like get a strike. You got to win this pitch. 
one one count all right get ahead win this pitch win this pitch get ahead of him like so it's just kind of those little sayings like get your mind back into the groove of something goes bad so what f it i i say that a lot so I, I say f it so what move on get this next pitch win this pitch like you can't do anything about what happened last pitch like you give up a single that clips the edge of the foul line oh can't do anything about that like Right. Got to move on from you. Got to throw the next pitch as a strike. Don't let that guy get the second type of mentality. Yeah, you never, you've never had a chance to experiment experiment with a pitch com, have you? Mm, I love. I'm in my opinion, I'm gonna love it because I love moving quick on the mound. So whenever I hear something in my mind, like if I hear oh slider, all right, give me that ball. I'm pressing the batter. I'm like, all right, get in the box. No, <laughs> let's go. But I've, I've heard that some guys actually encode, like they're not just giving you what pitch to throw. They're actually throwing other little things in there, like a F, yeah, or they can say win this pitch and just like hammer that into your head. I, I mean, I would love that then. If they can do that, I'll be pressing that button all the time. Like, win this pitch, win this pitch. <laughs> nice. Dude, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Let's have some fun now, all right? Let's have some fun. Baseball is good talking baseball, but let's have a little bit of fun. Um, so I did, I, I reached out to your dad and he, he told me some great stories about you. Uh, the first one is, uh, so explain to us, you, you tried to flush the neighbor's guinea pig down the toilet. Yeah. Uh, what the hell happened there? I was a young kid. Me and my sister play with the guinea pigs and I thought I should give it a bath. So I put it in the toilet and actually <laughs> flushed it. And then my mom came in and grabbed it before. <laughs> but yes, I was a, I was a troublemaker as a kid. Unfortunately, I didn't do that. Me and my sister were troublemakers when we were together. <laughs> How is she older or younger? She is one year younger than me. Oh, okay. So you guys would one grade apart too, yeah? Yeah. Dude, you cut a 31 inch walleye? Yeah. So we went up to uh Minnesota, like right next to the Minnesota Canada border, and we went ice fishing, and that was a blast. So we all we go a few times every once in a while. So when I went ice fishing, I caught like a 29 inch. And then when we went like when it wasn't frozen, that's when I caught the 31 inch. And that fish was, it was a pain to reel in. Do, do you guys dress it and you guys got to eat it? Oh yeah. So that's like one thing they do at like this place. I would like to say, like a, I don't know, a fishing resort in a way, but not really like a fishing resort. Like a place you go, you, they charter you out to go fish and it'll take you to an island that's on one of the lakes. And then you just cook it there. Like they have a little cabin. They'll have a bunch of fry stations. And it, it was really like fresh. Less than three hours we caught it. It's in our stomachs. And I'm like, this is, I could do this every day. <laughs> <laughs> how how old the, were you at the time? I want to say I was 11 or 12. I have a picture of me. And that's when I, I looked young, just got braces. I was like, oh, no. I was <laughs> young, young Austin with short, short hair. Nothing but a buzz cut. <laughs> Wait, you got you got the flow going now. You got the cap on. You're growing it um, out. I have a, a little bit of hair, but it's not quite the buzz that I had back in the day. That was basically uh, military style haircut. Well, that's what you did in the summertime because it gets hot. You know, yeah. you just cut it all. Oh off. yeah, I did that once, and I was like, this is the feeling of rubbing your hair after that. I'm just like, I I could fall in love with that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, what do you do to escape from baseball? For me, it's I like to go for me. I like to go on like kind of late night drives or just any drive just because I kind of it helps me clear my mind. Just like be on the road. Like it's just kind of like you go out, play on some music, roll on the windows if you need to. Like in Iowa, I love it because we got country roads. So like, yeah, you can go on the back road with some gravel and just kind of go find like. And so in this one, there's this old like abandoned baseball field that's out kind of by a 
cornfield. So I'd kind of just go out there and sit out there and just kind of like when it got late, just hang out there, enjoy it. Just because it's like away from everybody. There's no one yeah. who's really going to bother you. You can hang out. The river's right next to it. So you kind of just sit back, relax. And you're like, all right, this is content. This is peaceful. I could sit here all day. It's like your own little field of dreams. Right? Oh, yeah. That's we did. I did go to that a few times as a kid. That was a lot of fun. That's like our big trip as an Iowan. You're like, oh, we got to see the field of dreams. That's like a historical place in Iowa. How far are you from that? Uh, about an hour. All right. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, when we were young, like I'd say 12, 13 year olds, just before high school, we went and played like a pickup game kind of. So we got every like, it was like 12 kids from our little league team slash like junior high team. We went there and then the people there that were all there just kind of seeing it, they saw us start playing a game. So we ended up playing with like 25, 30 people. Like, so it was a lot of fun. Like we just ended up getting everybody there playing a little pickup game of wiffle ball slash like squishy. I can't think of the name of them. Tennis ball, well, not tennis balls, but squishy baseballs. Okay. Yeah. Like, but yeah, so we play with that. or something like that. It's like the real young kids. Okay. So <laughs> is it, is it play catch or have a catch? Play catch. I've never heard anybody say have a catch outside of that movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was kind of thrown off when I heard that too. I was like, have a catch. I'm like, that just doesn't sound right. That's <laughs> if they could change it to play catch, I I wish that's one thing they could change about that. But <laughs> still a really good movie. I enjoy it. Can you dress a deer? Oh, if you gave me time, I think I could, but I haven't done it or practiced in high school since high school because being at tcu didn't really have a lot of time to go on the hunting season back home so but me and my dad we we had a place where we'd go do it or we'd take it to like a butcher shop to get the meat so dressing deer is the fun part because you're like oh now you got to take all the insides out yeah. and get all the good stuff <laughs> yeah, but when you have to haul it out i mean you're taking all that weight out i mean it, you got sometimes you have to oh yeah so the funny story like when i killed my first deer me and my dad had to drag about 200 yards back to like the four wheeler because it was oh we had to cross a creek and the four wheeler would make it through so we had to drag it like 200 yards it was like a 220 pound little doe and it was just like holy cow like as a 12 year old kid I, a 10 year old kid my first deer that was heavy i think my dad took all the weight instead of me <laughs> but it was very cool experience i mean they always say that you got to take a bite of the heart but I was too chicken to do that. Yeah, I could. That was my face. So I, take oh. I, mean, I, can't, I can't take a bite of the heart. You know, we didn't ask Robbie. Robbie had the same stories. Like me and my dad were out in the middle of nowhere. It was a four-hour hike, a four-mile hike. Um, yeah, but he, was talking, like, he was talking about an elk. That's a whole different. I yeah. mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's like a thousand pounds of animal right there. <laughs> elk are huge. That would be fun to hunt. Yeah, but not so fun to pack out. No, uh-uh. All right, Taking so what is, a, what is a black muzzle loader? Black powder muzzle loader. So it's it's kind of if you think like an old rifle and back in the day where you just stuff in the powder. So you like put in a shell that helps. It's like the trigger. So like when you pull the trigger, it's a firing pin and it's just one pin. So you only can shoot one bullet at a time. And you stuff in your black powder and then you put you stuff in a bullet like you jam it all the way down to the bottom and then. You get one shot, and if you miss, good luck finding another deer for a couple hours because that gun is loud, and they will not come back to that area. <laughs> so when you've gone hunting, that's what you use? Yeah, so it's 
muzzleloader, shotgun, and bow in Iowa. So I only usually go muzzleloader just because I kind of like the one-shot mentality where it's like you either shoot them and hit them or you miss and you go home kind of upset with yourself. <laughs> so I I was around that a little bit in Boy Scouts way back in the day. Is it mm-hmm. is it a fifty caliber ball or do you are there actual bullets you can use? There are actual bullets now, so you can put like different like not you can buy different tips and stuff. Like it's going to be shaped like a normal like nine millimeter bullet, but a little bit more pointer at the end. And it's just the top of the bullet. It'll just be the top piece, not the shell casing. So it's just like the literal. And then you stuff that piece in right to the black powder, and the black powder just then sends it off once it hits. So, so like I see, you must have like a raccoon hat. You have to wear like buckskin clothes to, to do that. No, but I did have a big, uh, I'm trying to think, is it bucket hat that was bright orange so people can see where I'm at. There you go. All right. So All right. do you have any superstitions, uh, anything about food or numbers or, or routines, anything like that? A uh, big superstition of mine, that foul pole line, I cannot step on it. If you see me step on it, I might I'm, I'm not show my face the rest of that day because I get superstitious about it. I always think like you can't step on the foul. A baseball guy's gonna be mad if you step on the fresh white paint. So I'm like, that's my high school coach told me. So I'd never step on the foul line anymore. I'm like, if I even get close to it, I always make sure to hop over it. I feel like that's kind of a universal thing, though. Yeah. Like, do people ever yeah. goof around? Okay, so you like you line up to do the national anthem. Does anybody ever like like kind of try to bump somebody and make them accidentally step on it? But that's bad yeah. luck. I guess you wouldn't want your teammate to do that. That's very true. That's where I think because whenever I see that line below me, I make sure like stay a good three inches away from it so i'm not even on it but that's my biggest superstition if i step on that foul line I'm like, oh no i'm gonna have a bad day uh-oh dude the groundskeeper guys really appreciate that as well yeah do you have a celebrity crush oof i would say back in the day i did but not really anymore just because i would say i do like scarlett johansson obviously hands down right. but she's in my mind I just that she's just something. She's a woman. We'll, we'll say that. All right. All right. <laughs> but that was that says my, it all. That was my crush back then. Nowadays, I think it's Jennifer Aniston. Just because I don't know, Hunger Games got me, got it to me when I was younger. Jennifer uh, is Aniston. Lawrence. I mean, not Aniston. Uh, Lawrence. My bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. Jennifer Aniston works time. too, though. You know, she can still get it. Send that is true. That abuse. is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence, but. Both Jennifers are very good-looking women. <laughs> All right. So here's uh, – this is kind of a little out, out of nowhere. The most famous person in Cedar Rapids. I tried to find someone famous in and from Lisbon, and it was a voice actor who did, like, School of Rock, uh, like, <laughs> 70s cartoons, which you would have no idea. But do you know the most famous person that's from Cedar Rapids? He's I have a movie two star. Oh, Ashton Kutcher. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Was I wrong? Okay. I got Elijah Wood. Oh, yeah, that too, yeah. But Ashton Kutcher's from Cedar Rapids too, and Kurt Warner's from Iowa as well. That's That was my second guess was Kurt Warner. All right, all right. Um, but five guys are in and out. Ooh, that those two, five guys. But if you were to do in and out and Whataburger, in and out every day. Really? So you yes. got a chance, you, you being in San Antonio, you've gone to Whataburger. Oh, yeah. So in Fort Worth, actually, we have, there's two in and outs within – 15 20 minutes of where I live so I will go there rather than going to the in and out I mean rather than going to the Whataburger that is like seven minutes away from my house but yes I love in and out five guys is just different though I feel like that burger's superior 
It is. It's a messy burger, but it's really good. And we have oh. a, we have in and out right down the street here. That <clears throat> okay. So if you could face one batter, living or dead, who would you face? Uh, I mean, I'd have to say David Ortiz, just because yeah. he was my <laughs> growing up. I, I want to face him. I want to see what he could do against me. Lefty on lefty. Oh yeah. See, in my mind, I think I got the advantage because I love when I throw to lefties. But then he's also a unbelievable player so like right. it'd be a cool little mashup in my mind i'm like i got you you're a lefty i could do it but then in his mind and in the rest of the world's eyes he is a mvp caliber player he's big poppy absolutely <laughs> yeah he's big poppy so it'd be a fun interesting at bat i might get him once or twice but it'd be worth the shot try that new change up oh yeah that i might hope get you him. do better against him you did off juan soto <laughs> you and i both juan soto that <laughs> I still think of that. I'm like, all right, next time I see him, I gotta can't give up a home run. That's gonna be running through my mind. But I was really hoping it'd be in spring training, but unfortunately, he won't be with us. Yeah. So hopefully, one day it's in the big leagues, so I can say, all right, you might have got me when I was in the minors, but now I'm here. I'm coming for you. So well, you got you got a couple other pretty good hitters out there to target in Machado oh, yeah. and Tatis and Bogarts, and we'll see whoever else they pick up. But you know, you get you you got some good matchups to look forward to. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, hopefully I get to face all of them and learn from all of them how to pitch to all-star caliber players. Hell, yeah. So I, I just did some some digging here. Did you know you're not the first professional baseball player out of Lisbon Community High School? I don't think so. I think there might be one more. There's one more. His name is Dan DeYoung. Yeah. And he played, let's see, back in the in the late 90s, he was drafted by tech by the Yankees. And then the Texas, he said no to the Yankees. And then the Ra- the Rangers picked him up, played for the uh, the Marlins organization as well, but never made it past high A. So I'm pretty confident. Well, I mean, you've already made it past that. So yeah. congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I guess I made it. It's a good accomplishment, but hopefully one day it'll be professional baseball player. There's no denying the in between. That's yes. right. That's right. Lisbon's first major league baseball player. All right. So you're stranded on an island with food, water, and shelter. What are the three things that you need? The three things I need are one. I have those three already, though. You have food, water, and shelter. Three things I need. I have food, water, shelter. Um, well, I mean, I would say some out of pocket stuff. Like I need a boat to leave, but you obviously can't get a boat. So, <laughs> um, I would love a good grill if I were there. Right. So if I had the food, I could grill it instead of having to cook a fire. We'll use a fire all the time. Um, I would love some company because I feel like it'd be boring on the island by myself. <laughs> and I think uh, something to play music on would be another thing. Like if it were to be Bob Marley comes back and happens to be on the island with me, I'd take that. Or we can just listen to some beach music. I think that'd pass time by. But if it happened to be any other artist, that'd be awesome. I'd, we'd be hanging out all day long. Nice, uh. nice. All right, so you talk about company. So if you could have a pet that's not a cat or a dog, what would you like to have? Oof, that, I want to honestly say, oh, like a bearded dragon. Oh, okay. <laughs> my nice. brother my brother had a gecko, like a little baby gecko when we were younger. So I always kind of fell in love with like the lizards type stuff. And then my friend, well, friend's family had like a bearded dragon and it crawled all over my body one time. I was like, dude, this thing is awesome. Like it didn't bite or anything. I was like, I want to get one of these so bad. Like, I was freaking out. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, this has been a blast. Uh, we'll try to get you a bearded dragon. Maybe that could be your nickname. You have to get your beard first. 
Um, we do, I'll we name really... him Friars. I'll name him Friars on the farm. Friars on the farm. Friars on the farm. Well, hey, man, we really do appreciate you coming on, and uh, we're going to continue following you as the season gets going. Um, we'd love to talk to you once you get a little bit higher, and you know, maybe next season, uh, we can leave you guys alone during the off season. Uh, and mm-hmm. you feel free to big league Roy when he's out in spring training early, uh, later next year. Yeah, I'll come heckle you. I'll, I'll make sure to say hi. Thank you guys for having me. Christmas Day